0: Nice choice of podcast. You obviously know a good thing when it presents itself to you. So let me just tell you that you can now get new ultimate cheesy garlic bread from Subway. Your go-to sub smothered between garlicky, melted mozzarella and cheddar-y goodness. With your exceptional choice-making skills, we know we'll see you soon. Find your nearest store at Subway.com and seize the cheese. Subway, make it what you want. Prices and participation may vary. See in store for details.
1: Finally, fine. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of Spoiler Special Podcasts. This one is dedicated to the... Hang on, let me work this out on my fingers. Okay, there was the first one and there was the second one. Is the, th- the third film Amazing. Amazing. in the John Wick series, it is John Wick Chapter 3. Ah, Chapter 3. There's a clue in the title. who is is in the title. Parabellum, which means prepare for war, I think. They said it in the movie. More or less. I'm yeah. guessing that's what it actually kind of means. It is a glorious two hours of utter mayhem featuring more inventive kills than you could shake a knife at. And here to talk about it with me over the next, well, not too long, because mm. we don't have a lot of time, uh, is Helen O'Hara, and it's just two of us, just me and you, Helen, on this one. Just the two of us. Hello. Indeed. Because uh, one of the reasons people might be asking why this podcast has been slightly delayed is because logistical reasons. Basically, yeah. we've been trying to figure out a time when three or four of us would be able to get in, in the studio and talk about John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum.
2: And we have failed. We've we've failed, totally failed. we failed we miserably. We
1: got up to the start line a couple of times and then things happened and oh, fell apart. And we won't, we'll spare you the internal strife that, that, that led to this. There, there was bloodshed there was bloodshed so basically now Helen and I've we found 20 30 minutes in our schedules and we've decided to come in and have and just and, and chew the fat over this movie
2: not that there's much fat on anyone in this movie because no. they're
1: all super trained even the dogs even they're the just dogs. lean and mean. <laughs> cock-biting machines And they're
2: all very good boys aren't they? They really <laughs> are boys. 14
1: out of 10 <laughs> I would say for this uh, But anyway it won't just be me and Helen that you will hear in this spoiler special you will be delighted to know We're going to hear first of all from the man who is the architect of the John Wick world He is the man who co-directed the first movie with David Leach, and since then he has taken over sole stewardship of the the two movies John Wick Chapter 2 and now Parabellum as well and he is Jad Stahelski and he is a delight to talk to I'm struggling to remember a more confident director, <laughs> someone who is more confident in what he has put on the screen and in his, his abilities to marshal mayhem. And, uh, and rightly so, I think you would say. He's a stuntman by trade who has then moved into directing as well, but he's got this incredible eye. These movies look beautiful mm. as well. And he's pretty good on the old story side as well. So James Dyer and I went along to talk to him when he was in London recently, and we, we filled our spoiler boots. Do please Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on The Empire Podcast by the director of John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum, Chad Stahelski. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. A lot to talk about in this movie. So I thought we should get right into it and start with the end. Sure. Because the end isn't
3: the end. Well, it's funny, like, you know, everybody, I get asked a lot, like, look, we did the first John Wick, and by the time the thing came out, me, my co-director Dave Leach and Ken, we were all looking for other jobs. We thought we'd never work again. <laughs> like I was right back thinking about, oh, fuck, I got to go back to being a stunt guy. And then we did number two and we're like, holy shit, this one worked too. I mean, we, didn't, we don't write any of these to be a continuation. I certainly didn't mean for number two to be a cliffhanger. huh. Um, it was never written that way. And certainly we had a different ending for number three that just, it kind of sucked. It just didn't work. It kind of ended. We're like, ah, bummer. So we kind of tweaked the ending a little bit to go back to the Bowery King and stuff but it's not meant to be a cliffhanger. I know it it definitely is. Don't uh-huh. don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm very aware of that. But yeah. like we didn't write it that way. It just with our thematics of consequence and fate and karma uh-huh. and you know you do bad things, bad things happen to you. I mean, I mean, I'll ask you guys what the fuck do you think was going to happen? <laughs> like what he's going to ride <laughs> off into the sunset like okay, he killed 100 and, you know, whatever people and it's it's all good. It's all good. All forgiven. Yeah. Like he's fucked. Like he's he was fucked from the first movie. He's fucked in the second movie. He's fucked in the third movie. So we just figured like look, uh, it's like life. You can have a great day and the next day is shit. Or yeah. you can have a mm-hmm. shitty day and a shitty day and a shitty day to get through the good day, but you got to wake up the next day. And I never really got off where you can get away with these massive action sequences and like the next day is like back to, you know, the wife and the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just like, okay, John's fucked. He's going to have broken bones for the next year of his life. He'll be in physical rehab <laughs> for the next year. So like we just went. We'll take this as far as we can go. Okay, falls off the roof. He breaks every bone in his body. He manages to lift one hand, flip off the Bowery King. That's a fuck you back to the entire world. And boom, he's in rehab. Like he's getting pins because like no one will survive that shit. So I doubt the next film, if there was a the next film, was going to pick up exactly where the third one ends off. I mean, John needs it, a little R and R. It could be interesting though. Just we just figured like how else are you to end something like this? Like he, he, yeah, he's opens a dog home. He's something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Right. So there you go. I don't know. John Wick and traction would be an interesting way to go. Yeah, you know. Like, a body cast, it's very sexy. It still kicks him off.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, how early in the process did the Winston betrayal come into this? Like, was that well, always where you, you wanted to go with this?
3: You know, every we have the same problem every time we try to do the John Wick like when we try to bring in an outside writer or something like this to try and help with ideas, which is kind of a man like, you know, at the end of the day it's Karen and I with our main writer just putting stuff together. Mm. And you gotta get your head around the plot point that it's not a good guy movie. Mm. Like, you, you can't keep putting a chivalrous thing. Our version of chivalry and etiquette is flopped. Like, there's respect there, but it's not out of the humanity of respect. It's about if you don't respect somebody, you get your head fake, <laughs> you know, shot off. It's just everybody in a bad guy. Like, John Wick, at the essence, is, he's an assassin. He's a bad guy. Mm. Like, he kills people. for. Like I mean, Where are you going to take that? Does he have love? Does he have respect? Does he have empathy? Does he want absolute? Of course. He's trying to make a change, but he's done things that probably aren't that redeemable so he can do it within his world but like we don't have that like Mm -hmm. what did you expect of Winston like if you had I mean I like putting characters in this painting him into a karmic corner where like if you were in those things okay it's like you know two people are drowning your daughter and your wife who do you save Mm -hmm. like I love that kind of Conundrum. Is it an unanswerable question? Yes. But again, I I grew up with construction and a lot of friends in the military and stunts where, like, logistics and reality, like, you can't just bullshit your way through. Like, you're going to step off that ledge. You can talk and boast all you want, but you got to have your shit together. Or there's a consequence. Most people don't have to go to those kind of consequences. Mm. I've actually been painted into corners, and I try to draw on that to put like John Wick has been painted into a corner. Winston's been painted like the high table. Like it's not, it's not like the regular good guy movies where like you you can beat, like, you can beat Thanos, you can beat the insurmountable odds. <laughs> like in John Wick, you fuck, you will never beat the high table ever. It is it's like the U.S. government. You will never beat them. You can survive. You can negotiate. You can have temporary moments of peace and tranquility, or you can be at war. Later, but you're never going to solve the problem. It's unsolvable. It's a Gordian knot. Mm. Mm. So what was it going mm. to be? Again, I throw it back to you. It wouldn't be a fucking happy ending. Winston's going to throw down the <laughs> magic fucking coin. and Like, okay, so I'm going to end, kill everybody I know, lose my hotel, get put out on the fucking street, or I turn over one dude. Like, come on, there isn't a human on the planet that wouldn't do that.
1: It's an interesting thing to dig into, though, about Winston's motivations for this, because... You could argue that he does it because he, he loves his place in that world. Mm-hmm. He loves being the manager of the Continental. He keeps saying in the film, I've been doing this for 40 years. Yeah. Which, and filthy,
3: fealty, fealty. Fealty, yeah. fealty,
1: fealty. You know, I have served, I, am, I will be of service, all that, all that stuff. You, but you could also maybe argue, I don't know whether you guys were layering this in, in in Chapter 2 as well, when he gives John that extra hour, is mm-hmm. that a power play on his part? It, you know, is
3: he playing the long game, essentially? Winston, I would say Winston plays three-dimensional chess yeah. <laughs> you know three-dimensional being like you know you can always play the board or you play the man I think any great chess player plays both You assess the man, but you play the board, and I think that's what Winston's doing. Yeah,
0: he has eyes on loftier roles.
3: We we come from a heavy, heavy jiu jitsu background, so you're always thinking three moves ahead. You're like so we layer that into like that's the subtext. I mean, without getting too wacky and directorially freaky, (laughs) we try we try to put that in. And again, uh, you know, you got to look at John. Mm. John, if you really, really tore apart the John Wick ethos or the uh, the mythos of everything, is like John Wick broke the rules. If it, our whole big thing is consequence, just like life, like there are things you'll do when you're 15 that'll still tweak you, you know, in your 40s mm-hmm. and 50s. I mean, I know that. But anyway, if John didn't break the rules in the first movie, he wouldn't be here in the third one. Like Winston didn't break the rules. Santino, then Tony on the second one, didn't break the rules. Halle Berry didn't break the rules. No, but like John did. <laughs> and you wonder why he's fucked. It mm. just shows you, you step out of line, there will be consequences.
1: Consequences is a big
3: theme in the movie. You know, yeah. the, and if, I mean, if we say. gave you a happy ending, we would be worse than <laughs> than the characters in the movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just, that's the way it is. You got to deal with it. Yeah. You can be honest about the world that you're. I think in. big, part, just like in life, you got to take responsibility. Yeah. John's yeah. taking responsibility but I don't like it. You know, <laughs> he, he wants to keep fighting, which is again another human testament to like I choose to live.
1: Do you see these three films in, uh, in a way
3: as John's descent into hell in in, in a weird I'm way? I'm a big fan of Dante. Yeah. You know, you can I mean obviously Dante's in the movie. Um, <laughs> there's it's funny like it's really weird. Um any theme, music, prop, I don't know, O2 framing. Honestly, John Wick is become a chance for Keanu and I to really say thank you to everybody we work with. I mean, we came up with some of the best filmmakers in the business. Mm-hmm. Him as a, as a cast member, me as a second unit and action director. And to put it on screen is great. But the algorithms behind the themes, absolutely. I mean, it's not only the descent, um, whereas Dante dealt with simply the descent and the escape of mm-hmm. for a noble cause. We're, we're more about the navigation and not escaping hell, but living and navigating in it. From
1: my eyes, anyway, there's an increase in religious imagery in the film as well. I mean, Huge. you literally have a crucifix <laughs> yeah. as John's ticket into the underworld. Very intentional. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he obviously goes to the desert as well to mm-hmm. find himself. And then there, there's temptation there's a in the cross, desert. Uh, yeah.
3: methodologies. Yeah.
1: There. And when the ticket is stamped on him, it's an upside down cross. So I, I noticed yeah. as well. Can you, can you talk about that and, and
3: layering that stuff into it? I list? mean, without going into personal opinion of religion and um, ideologies and stuff, it's for me it's always the attestment why is the religion you know, what what do people need from it? What do they benefit from it? And how do you play with the what's more the most interesting is the iconology of it. Why a crucifix, why this, why this, why, this? why what do people associate with it? And uh again, just like we try to be very, very and uh, you know, the word diversity now has got such a different meaning. Um, I don't really think about checking boxes when I cast. Mm. Or, or locations or ethnicities or, or gender, we just write cool characters and they kind of pop up. Uh, we certainly don't have a, a demographic percentage of what we're trying to fill, and I think that's the same way I look at like I you know ideology or religion. It's just it's part of human nature, and at the base thing, we're all about mythology. So you have the Greek god mythology, which is I, I hope permeates very prominently, and then you have Russian Orthodox vibe which is pretty prevalent which is where you see the crucifixes and all that Mm -hmm. but it it mostly comes down to the rules and the parameters of that and how we're bending it and i kind of like that idea behind it that it can be used more about the um i guess the the character background and subtext than it is about the actual religion Mm -hmm. you know what what it kind of means and how we blend it in it's just part of human history and if you needed a ticket home what's better than You know the iconology of what if you if you notice every ballerina in there has a crucifix or hanging on the chairs or all like that, they all have a a a version of John Wick's tattoo, and they're all I guess you can tell I got a you know, thing for Latin, I guess. I mean, <laughs> um, it's funny, you know, I, between I, people go, Well, I didn't know what fealty meant before the trailer. I'm like, Well, okay, we tried to educate <laughs> and then parabellum and like, you know, Moose Bouche, you know, Americans aren't big onto what a Moose I get asked so many times in the States and what is this a Moose Bouche thing? I'm like, Oh just. <laughs> Just look it up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. so you can tell him. He's like, you yeah. know, I'm glad it kind of means something. You
0: mentioned mythology. I mean, well, there's a whole layer of extra mythology added mm-hmm. in terms of Angelica Houston's character and he's, the tickets so we speak. The, then we find out also, pertinently, John Wick is not John Wick. He uh, he's he's a Belarusian national himself. I mean, where did where did that idea come from to add in a layer? And
3: they're they're separate from the high table mm-hmm. in you know under it, but the not aroma. Yeah, uh, I love the gypsy mentality. We did a lot of research into that, and you know, we've seen so many movies about. Um, where assassins come from. And there's always that scene, you guys know it, where some dude from the NSA or the CIA or some cop opens a folder <laughs> and they show you a picture of going, look, you know, Bob here is three years as Navy CEO Is this, you know, the Rambo thing. And look, that just, you're always told how badass the guy is. Our big rule in John Wick is like, you're going to see it. Yeah. No <laughs> one's going to tell you the backstory on Sophia. You're just going to watch her do her thing and go, Ah, because nothing would, no words can really hold up to what you're about to see. Yeah, You know, you can say he's good with knives, but, you know, that knife fight speaks for itself. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's good on horses. Like he rode a road. You don't say it. Just show it. Yeah. You know, and then you don't have to define it. And the same thing goes with identity. Hopefully you'll watch John. You'll watch the empathy that Keanu has. Like Keanu plays it very, uh, we call it big screen acting. He'll play with looks. Yeah. John Wick, I mean, purposely so, says very little. Mm-hmm. but tells a lot and just want to know what's important to him. Why do you want to live? Like when he says something, it should land and let everybody else do the yapping. <laughs> I, again, when we started talking about, look, we're going to give, people want to know where he's from. He's wanted to look, we've already established the martial arts he do is very, uh, Sambo is a Russian martial artist, like judo, jiu-jitsu. Uh, Smirsh is a gun tactic that a lot of the Russians use that we kind of stole from originally. So we're going to have a background in this. Now is John Wick Russian or Belarusian? Uh, don't know but we know where you kind of was raised mm-hmm. that was a little cue with the ballerinas and the kids doing sambo and in, and in, in the director's thing does he speak russian yeah but he speaks japanese he does sign language he speaks chinese <laughs> yeah he's got a lot of language <laughs> so i love um a huge fan of like the old clint eastwood spaghetti westerns and you know pale rider and stuff well, you don't yeah. it's a man with no name thing yeah. uh you learn more about the guy through the current story and i like the audience feeling his backstory so many times it's a very american hollywood way of giving backstory before you meet the character yeah like is that like that in life do you everybody you meet do you fucking IMDBM before you you know what I mean <laughs> you meet and you start putting it together and then as you get to know the person mm-hmm. you know over the course of a year yeah. you find out a lot about their backstory. so John Wick I want the audience to meet John Wake now and deal with his empathy and deal with his pain and like I mean honestly do you give a fuck about where he ate breakfast when he was 21. Like, well, more you want to learn it now.
0: The more you know, sometimes the less interesting these characters are. Exactly. So, I mean, so, Mystique is his
3: thing. Yeah, Mystique. And you're getting to is, and honestly, you're getting to know him as Keanu and I know him. Like, if you think I go back to my house and I have this John Wick room that has <laughs> 20 years of subtext and backstory to him, you're wrong. Like, what's fun about these things and why we keep coming back is, like, it's fun for us. Yeah. Like, I, there is no mythical room at Lionsgate where there's three writers writing John Wick backstory. Like, you know, like, <laughs> the good thing is, like, you know, a lot, I would say a lot of John Wick is actually from observations of Keanu. Like, he's not, you know, there's a lot that's actually Keanu. There's a lot that's actually me. The love of action, all the stuff we do. There's a lot of Keanu and I, of, we both love, has actually worked with Bertolucci. Mm-hmm. You know, we're both Tarkovsky fans. We're both Steven Spielberg fans. I mean, you can see that we're both Ridley Scott fans. We're both obviously spent 10 years with the Wachowskis. If you can't smell the Wachowski on these films, <laughs> then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if I'm gonna rip somebody off, it's gonna be them. Yeah. And everything I know about world building is through them. You know, it's just, John Wick offers me and my crew the opportunities to be weird, wacky, and do whatever we want. I mean, you know how I get. People go, "How the fuck did you get Dan Louson to work with you?" I like, answer, "Good fucking question," because <laughs> he is a a list cinematographer who yeah. has, I mean, old school in the sense that he lights in camera. When you see a lot of this, I'm doing very little in digital intermediate. I'm just enhancing what he's already set up. Mm. So this chance is like, here you go. I'm going to build a world, and I want you to give me everything you got, and don't hold anything back. I mean, what? How many people get that crew? When I tell the stunt team, no, you're going gonna to work this weekend because I want more. Like, that's not average, yeah. you know? And uh, when you tell your, your cameraman, no, you're going to every rehearsal. You're coming on two months early just to rehearse because, like, <laughs> you, get, you guys got to be around dogs, you got to be around horses. You gotta be, the cameraman, are you fucking kidding me? Usually they bring us on on the day. Like, cam- I don't know if you guys know, but cameraman usually don't see the sequence till the day. Mm. And that's why it takes so long to shoot stuff. Mm. That dog sequence, I shot in less than four days. Most crews would have taken four weeks. Wow. You know, I do 50 setups a day. Most people get 10 setups a day. It's just, you know, I spend a shitload of money in prep <laughs> and rehearsals. Yeah. If and and it, it shows on
0: screen. I mean, this, yeah. I don't think it's outrageous to say this has some of the most incredible action sequences of the three films so far thanks i mean because with each one you've kind of topped it i mean how much does that play into it like do you start with you know what would be really fucking cool let's get some dogs let's get them in a suit
3: and let's kill a bunch of guys with them you know is (laughs) that that, what's the process you just described the actual process (laughs) i shit you not that was i'm a huge dog fan it's like i'm tired of fucking okay look i love the pit bull i love all our dogs i love them they're great but they just sit there and drool a lot (laughs) You know, so like, cool, but we're going to use. And I I, I spend my days, literally, I go to the office every day and just, you know, go to the gym. Then we'll go research. Then I'll spend some time with the stunt team. Then I'll go to like every museum and then whatever city I'm in. And it's just research, research, research. I love dogs and you see what's capable. We barely, barely touch on what Belgian Malawans can do. If I did a second film and 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 brought Sophia back with her dogs, you would see stuff that would blow this shit away like there's always <laughs> more I mean think about it, like when you guys said, like look i 'm not going to knock and people think i 'm anti c g and all i like, 'm not If you want to edit fast, I think Greengrass did a great job. I think for that right. born that he brought in shaky can he he did it for a reason. Mm. My only beef is when people do it to hide shit yeah like if you don 't spend time in prep and you think it's, it's like it's like going on a honeymoon right. If you get to Fiji and you expect some magic to happen on that island that you didn't bring with it, you're deluding yourself. <laughs> you know, if you're not bringing the magic with you, it ain't going to be there on the island. Damn it. You know, so if you don't bring <laughs> some magic into your choreography, and your action sequences and you expect fast editing and somebody shaking a camera really fast to yeah. give you something mm. to a bad performance because you didn't want to spend money on rehearsals, you didn't have a cast member, you didn't hire the right stunt team. Well, you know, fuck you. Yeah. That's that's mm. cheating the audience. Mm. You know, if you want to do good action, fucking do good action. It ain't that fucking hard. Mm. Practice, set it up and have a plan. Some people can't make decisions. Big problem in directing. Some people don't understand. They expect other people to do it. Some people want to go, I just want to direct the actors and let the stunt guy do the action. All right, that's great, but why the fuck did you take the movie? When half your, 40% of your movie is action and you don't go do the research of action, like what takes a good action, what makes it, then you're not directing. You're phoning it in. You're a shitty director. I don't care. (laughs) I'll stand toe-to-toe with anybody. I'll, I'll direct five guys in a room talking or I'll direct five guys doing a car chase. But I went both ways and researched it. The friends I know, the directors I respect, Wachowskis do it. Spielberg does it. Mm. Nolan does it. The best director, Fincher, does it. You know, they all go out and research how to do their... Because they know that the storytelling doesn't stop when the action starts. If anything, it tells you even more about mm. the characters. So fucking do your research. Mm. So when you get into stuff like, you know, how do we do better action? It's not really that. It's like, okay... um, Exactly what he said, that's how it starts. Fucking dogs, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to fuck. I'm going to fuck. That's great, let's fucking do it. Then you gotta research doing it. Then Keanu sit down and say, like, okay, great, this is gonna be great. We'll do the test. We did, it. like, it is possible to do this. Okay, now... Okay, that takes up three minutes of movie. So, what are we gonna do? Okay, the bond between him and Sophia—it's an avatar for a daughter. How do we like? How do we lace the story into that? And that's what becomes the challenging part. Mm. Like, look, there's a shitload of action in this. Hopefully, you're still learning something. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. Some of it's just, you know, fuck you. Look at this; it's cool. <laughs> right? But some of it is you're getting to know John Wick in it. I mean, it's—it yeah. should be for me. I look at a lot of the action as world building. I was walking around New York a, over a year ago, and it was freezing because it was right around Christmas. And I was walking through. Uh, Central Park, and they had little carriages with the horses. And I was just asking the guys, like, so what, what where the fuck do horses go? Oh, it's a it was stable, right? Like, what? Right on Fifth Ave, there's this little stable, and mm. you'd never know it. Walk in, there's fucking 30 horses in there. And I'm like, oh, John Wick's running in one of these. Because <laughs> as a stunt guy, I was remember training for one thing, and I was in a stable, and I got kicked by a horse. And I thought I was a pretty tough dude. And I got kicked in the shoulder and the arm, and that thing sat me down, and I didn't lift my arm for a week. So I'm like, John was going to fight with a horse. Yeah. And then Ken was like, oh, I'll fucking ride a horse. I'm like, suit, right? And I was like, fuck, you're going to ride a horse. And then you start writing the story behind it. Yeah. The whole, the big problem is when you write that much action, it's like, okay, is it going to fit? Is it too much? Like, look, I'm going for action fatigue in this. I want you to feel a little burned out. Uh-huh. And that's, it wasn't any one sequence. Like, to answer you guys' long winded <laughs> answer, here. it's just when, late, you, when you, 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 you know, do something, like, I'm not trying to outdo myself. <laughs> yeah. We don't sit down and go. How do we? We've never asked that. And I think if I did, I'd probably fuck it up because mm. you'd try. I don't want a bigger, better sequence. Well, this one was a lot of a little. Like John throws knives, he rides horses, he climbs the beach. We have dog. Like hopefully, there's something for everybody. You'll. I love asking people what your favorite action sequence is. I haven't got more than, you know, I, everybody's answered something different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying you know, no one's really. Hated one or love the other. They they've all liked their favorite thing. Like I like the underwater gun thing. I mean that's yeah. real cavitation. I like the knife. <laughs> that's a question lots of
0: people have. Like because in a lot of films you deal, see yeah. people being shot underwater. It's like well with that distance that's not going to happen. No, that's is a real it. deal. That's real physics.
3: And the so distance what, like, you is you've got
0: proper like too. two feet of nine millimeter.
3: Thing. That's an yeah. MPX underwater and it'll shoot about five and a half feet. Yeah. We've done the tests. We actually.
0: But, it's it's like how, but he, he gets distance from him because he knows it's not going to go there and I'm like work. what are you doing
3: and, it's like- <laughs> and that's it and like you guys are you guys are, are boys I mean I'm sure at some point you took mom's kitchen knives and tried to throw knives into your tree right how yeah. many times did they stick how many that times did they never, bounce back and hit you in the forehead never yeah okay well that's yeah. the same thing with the professional life guys and us so the whole knife fight started like how many fucking movies do you see and no matter what the guy picks up yeah. not a throwing knife a kitchen knife it sticks in yeah. I have been hit by a knife full speed and it's bounced off me <laughs> alright so we're like well fuck it John Wick's going to throw knives. He's going to throw that. And we call, I mean, if you guys have little brothers, sister, friends, like snowball fight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like
3: everybody just fucking throws as many snowballs as they can, (laughs) as fast as you can. Some hit, some bounce off. So we just decided we're going to have a realistic knife fight with snow. And people are just going to throw knives. Some stick, some don't, some win, some don't. Yeah. And then John Wick finds a distance, goes, fuck you, fuck you, fuck (laughs) (laughs) you. You know? So that's where that came about. And like reality is fun underwater. That's really what happens. Mm. And when you see tactical gun work, like they shoot everybody in the fucking head. Like, when you see John Wick doing like, that's yeah. real, reload. People run out of bullets. People... There are at least a half a dozen times in the movie where Keanu's actual gun jams. And we just don't... 90% of films would cut. Keanu, like, it it happens in the beginning of the Riyadh fight. It happens in the in the hotel lobby fight. He just clears his own gun and keeps going. Like, he's doing real clearing, real reloads. That's amazing. That's a fun thing. So, reality sometimes gives you the diversity you need. Yeah.
1: Going back to the beginning of the film, because at the, the beginning of the film delivers what you set up in chapter two which is everyone in the world is trying to kill John Wick yeah. and it is relentless and he's trying to survive and that's all he's trying to do trying to survive mm-hmm. and can you talk about that did you think at any point trying to make that the entire movie because it does mm-hmm. slow down after that and then John does try and get out
3: yeah no I you know he- Pacing is a big thing and like all the time I spent like ten years as a second unit guy and you do a lot of cleanup or fixing things in other films and you realize that the two biggest problems nearly all the time in any action film is tone. Mm-hmm. You know, tone is all over the place. Is it serious? Is it not they're trying to be funny and then pacing as it goes slow and fast. You know, pacing has become this main note when people review or do test screens in your movie, whether it's from the studio or the audience. I you know, my answer to that is like, you know, if everything was fast, there'd be nothing slow, right? Mm. Slow enough. Mm -hmm. Like, you gotta find a rhythm. Like, if you just listen to techno, (laughs) you fucking shoot yourself. But if you listen sometimes to classical, like you listen to some versions of Hayden, and you... Again, you want to fucking hang yourself. So, we, you know, you get a Beethoven, where Then you're going and you got ups and downs. So like, yeah, it was meant to, like, I wanted to start it, like, the first movie was incredibly slow in the beginning. Incredibly. Mm-hmm. And that was our whole thing. The second movie is a little bit different. It starts good, but then it's really, really slow. And then the last third, it really picks up. So this time I did, instead of the back half or the middle, you know, third act in the first one, second act. we're going to go heavy on the first act. And then I'm just going to, Slow it down, and you know you get okay. The desert's really, really slow. Oh yeah, fucking, he's walking across the desert. You want to be fucking fast? What do you want to do, John? <laughs> <laughs> like you know, he answers things like you. You got to have slow to have fast, and otherwise, I, I think it'd just be this fucking blur of fucking fight scenes. So yeah, I wanted the first like I love Run Lola Run, the Tom of tick for a film, mm-hmm. you know, and I like movies that start off. I, I'm not too too big of a fan of a like, the opening action sequence. Like, sometimes Bond will do it, and Bond does it very well, but we just didn't want to be Bond. Obviously, not a Mission Impossible. So, you know, it'll be non-related to, you know, big action sequence, opening credits, and then the start of the story. This time, we're just like, yeah, fuck it. 20 minutes, we're going to get him out of town, and hopefully in that, you you meet the doctor again, Randall Kim, and then you you get to see the mom, you know, the director, Angelica Houston. You've got Winston narrating, so you're seeing a couple different threads, and we decided if you could do it. Cool opening action sequence, but thread the story a little bit. That gave us the, okay, we've got your attention now. This isn't John Wick 2. This is a little bit different. And then you're willing to buy a little um, uh, favor with the audience to sit Mm -hmm. back and just relax a little bit and tell a story and show some pretty pictures and show the desert and show some fucking camels. And then, you know, we get back in and then we can kick it back up again. And that was a very conscious choice. Yeah. So whether you love it or hate it, at least, I, you know, I want to try something different.
0: Well, you mentioned the desert and that adds a whole new dimension to what the high table is, that there's a man who sits above the high table
3: yeah. and lives in a tent. Where did, where did he come from? Uh, again, you go to Bond or the, the Mission Impossibles, there's Spectre or a version yeah. of Spectre. Right, The shadow government, the shadow realm. And we were like, well, you know, we kind of set up the high table, <laughs> haphazardly. We kind of set up the high table. We're like, okay, we're well, we going to show that. And like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody shows the fucking high table. It's some ball guy in a wheelchair with the cat or something like yeah. this, right? And we didn't want the evil thing we didn't want to show. So like, well, in our world, everything's a little fucked. So let's, let's have a moral high ground. Let's have a guy that sets the etiquette. You know, the guy that tells you about the markers, the guy that sets the tone of our world. Mm. And everybody looks to him because it was just a high table. I mean, at the end of the day, criminals care about, like, you know, money. It's not really world domination. I like Thanos. It's not like that. It, but it's about financials and stuff. And that's something we didn't really want to touch on. Mm. It seemed too grounded for us. So what's cooler than just a group of bad guys? Well, how about the bad guy that sets the morality and the ethics for the bad guy and that's where we came up with the elder and we thought that was interesting like woo-hoo. and that's where you set the rules like we're always about rules and again mm-hmm. i love the greek mythology that's more about twisted morality yeah you know slightly bent and i like our version of morality because it's not altruistic it's actually achievable mm-hmm. you give a marker fine can't kill anybody in this fucking hotel this is it. The rest is pretty open for interpretation, more yeah. like guidelines. Like this is, and that seems like for for a human being achievable, especially yeah. like you can't put, you know, the the chivalry of the Knights of the Round Table because like not even the Knights held up that shit. Like, you know, <laughs> like look at Game of Thrones; they all fucking yeah. shit on each other. So we're like, what's a cool thing? And Can I? When I was like, no, and it was actually Can I was like, we're going to call him the Elder, but he's not going to be old. We're like, all right, we get that, um, and we just wanted something. Uh, again, odd, slightly off kilter. Mm. And that's probably the hardest thing about Wick is like, how do you not fit into all the boxes of everybody else and do the slightly off kilter thing?
0: And he gives up his wedding ring. Now, the thing that kind of shocked that me was not amazing. even that he
3: gave up his finger. I was like, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. But giving up his ring, that's a big deal.
3: We, uh, again, you can do the the Yakuza thing with chopping off the pinky. Um, that well, we, uh, the finger was not about the. F- I'm glad you guys got that. Everyone thought, you know, when you read the script, you're like, oh, he's giving up a finger. It's not. Yeah. It's not about that. <laughs> yeah. The only, if you listen to him, the only reason he keeps going is he wants to remember his wife. Mm-hmm. In all three movies, he plays with that fucking ring all the time. So like when the elder says it, the elder's not asking for a finger. He's not asking for anything. He's asking for uh, John to make a choice. Are you going to be John? or Are you going to be John Wick? That's really the subtext, and you have to choose which one you're going to be. And you can't choose both if you're remembering the other. So mm. he's asking, basically he's asking John for his humanity and his, his memories. He's asking for that one thing that's grounding him into the, the one thing that's holding John from being the boogeyman. Yeah. Mm. And John knows instantly what he's talking about and you know there's a choice a hammer or a chisel and a lot can happen like we don't know what's going to happen yeah. and John just instantly is aware of what what the one thing what that one umbilical cord to to real life is and he takes it and the, the wedding ring is that and uh, the best way to show fealty just wasn't about chopping up a finger it was about giving up who he who he was fighting for and mm-hmm. I think that's probably the Best piece of symbolism I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I'm glad somebody got it. So like one out of the 18 million is good. So thanks, guys. I appreciate that.
1: But it's, it's interesting as well because then he goes to kill Winston and can go through with it.
3: He absolutely yes. can. He is absolutely prepared to kill Winston. Absolutely prepared. Mm. Absolutely 100% prepared to kill Winston.
0: Which slightly in some way softens Winston's betrayal slightly. That can was prepared to you kill him. At He's like prepared to turn him. So, you know, as you say, they operate under a different set of rules.
3: Yeah. I I think it's there I think that like again I love slightly that's why I always love graphic novels in Japanese anime. there's an obtuseness to the characters and who they really are again without telling me a lot of times when you write a a story the hero has to be this altruistic so let me get this right you're an assassin with a heart that protects little girls but you Kill family. Okay. What, uh, you know, every movie has, they're very easy. Whenever it suits the movie or the plot mm-hmm. point. And I guess, you know, everyone's got this thing like the audience won't, you know, have empathy for him unless he does this and he says this and he's got to say, well, I wouldn't like, how many movies have you seen like that? And like, that's not the way it works. So we may be completely fucking surreal and set pieces in action, but we try to keep, and I know it sounds funny, but we try to keep fairly grounded with human emotion. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, Winston's fighting for that, but he is a bit of a puppet master. He is playing on that, but you know, and John is probably too altruistic for his own good. Mm -hmm. You know, he believes his own bullshit really. And that's what he (laughs) wants to do. You know, that's what he's fighting for. And I guess at that point you have to fight for something. We all have that in our lives, so.
1: But now he's, uh, now he's mega pissed. And Parabellum, as Winston says, means prepare for war. So you said there was a, another ending to this movie. But at what point did you realize that this was going to set up a chapter four in which presumably that war might Well,
3: I, I came into this going, I was already prepping another film, and they came back asking to number three. And I was a, a bit of a dick. <laughs> and I was like, oh, if we do this, this, and this, and no one's going to tell me what to do, and I can do this, and this, and this, and... They said yes. <laughs> I was like,
1: ah fuck. I should
2: be a dick. Um, but
3: like one of the things that I really want is like I, I wanted John Wick to die. I'm like, he's dead. There's nowhere else. I mean he's fucked. He's dead. There's no way out of this. He's dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna end it and I don't wanna be that guy that keeps carrying this on He's dead. And then uh, you know, Keanu didn't want to die. <laughs> Keanu <laughs> loves hardcore, he loves hard boiled, loves it. Yeah. But like he's like, Fuck, I love this guy. And the studio came back. What are you fucking thinking, dude? Like everybody was I'm like, okay, well, okay, well, then it's got to be. I can't. I'm not doing the ride off into the sunset. Anymore. Yeah. Like it's just fucked. And ultimately, that worked out best for both parties because I didn't want to end it with a happy ending, which ultimately leads to the idea of a cliffhanger, which ultimately leads to yes, there's an option for if uh, if I, you know, fucking lucky I am. Like I'm sitting here before you guys because like some really small, wacky action movie did well. So that's (laughs) always a thing to be thankful for. And if people wanted another one, like yes, I would love to help at least in the development and creativity of where it goes from there. Mm -hmm. I think it's a cool character and as an action director, are you kidding? Like, fucking horses, dogs, guns, knives. It's awesome. (laughs) And the idea as well. I mean, you said early on that the
1: the high table cannot be defeated, but it sounds to me like the Bowery King is really fucking pissed off. I love Lawrence
3: Fishburne and that whole world, the homeless world. and It's super fascinating to me and what Mm -hmm. the capabilities are with that. And I love the the Asian vibe we have going on with ninjas and martial arts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... You guys know, like, you came up with genre films and graphic novels, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here talking to me, yeah. mm. like, all that stuff, and that's not really embraced, or it's been watered down to be little parts of, and you just can't give a guy a sword and call him an you can't just give a guy a gun and call him an action hero, like, you know, we're trying to put some work back into all the things we loved, and hopefully that comes out. If we can do another, you know, another one and bring all that back in and keep pushing genre, you know, whether it's the martial art, kung fu, graphic novel mm. thing, that's great. I think that's the funnest part, is like, I don't have any rules. Yeah. So. What might happen? Cause
1: there's, there's that fascinating thread. I mean, you talk about consequences throughout the movie, and there's there's moments when Winston and the Bowery King, for example, who have been operating on their own little fiefdoms, they almost feel that they are, they're impervious, in a way, to the rules, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they, those rules are imposed upon them. And they reacted very, very different ways.
3: I think that was the genius behind Keanu coming up with the adjudicator. Mm. You know, you can see the world through her eyes, where like no one's above the rule. Ro- otherwise, if, if you took out that character, it's just it, it, you can kind of see it's like gangs of New York. Everyone's got their five thumb, but there's no controlling for it. It's nice to see somebody come in and visit the worlds to get exactly what you just brought up. Winston handles it one way, Bowery King handles it another, John handles it a third way, Zero handles it. Like they, everyone, the director. Uh, there's also a scene with the doctor. Like everyone's handling it mm. in a way, and just by their. F- Just even by Lawrence Fishburne, even stepping down and Winston showing fealty, it it can show you learn a lot about the high table just through the reactions, and that's kind of the mentality we had about John Wick in the first film. We never told you anything about John. It's just how you know John Leguizamo and how Len's how everybody reacted to him. They oh fuck he's a badass, and he never had to show it because everybody just respected him as a badass. Um, That's the fun part, you know. But have you ever been in New York? I mean talk about worlds and subworlds. Like yeah. that, that city's kooky man mm. you, you totally know, so. believe that this sort of subculture of assassins could absolutely. exist there I, I was just there and I, I it's probably there it's an <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a interesting city for sure probably you stepped bit, into a
0: taxi yeah. and the guy went absolutely Mr. Sales <laughs> yeah, like,
3: there's some weird fuckers there I, I going to lie to you I get tripped out every time I go
0: you mentioned uh, Leguizamo there and
1: uh, he was last seen taking John's car for mm-hmm. repair. Yeah. Hasn't shown up since, so... Uh, you
3: know, there's... I love John Leguizamo. I'm a huge, huge fan. And even though he's got smaller roles in one and two, it's... I mean, he's... His presence is a big world builder. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking love... I, I tried... Oh, so, so, And bad. I love Jimmy the Cop. Yeah. you know mm-hmm. for that we've had them in both, and those characters were all in the first. Every one of them was in the first couple of drafts of the script. It's just you get to the point where, like, okay, now I've got a 130 page script, <laughs> you know. And that, and they honestly, they all felt like I had forced them in. Yeah. You just got to be honest with yourself and do it. Plus, you know, Common had a knife in his heart at the end of the last one. It was hard yeah. to, yeah, it's hard tough to get come back from that, especially when it job. picks up straight away. You know, yeah. it's it's tough. <laughs> and you know, I, but I think uh, in the universe that we're trying to create, you will see all three of them again.
1: Fantastic uh, Chad we're gonna let you go I mean sure. I could talk to you all day about Chetchup and Yaya and that
3: amazing fight that's oh, fucking Jesus. huge fans and when Keanu found out we get him you, you, you never saw a bigger smile, smile and you never saw a bigger worry because <laughs> 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 they are Fast as fuck. And they're fantastic. Yeah. And we're all about the same age, which is good. <laughs> um but they were when they said yes and we got Yan and Chep chep to fly out to New York, uh I had never been in America, let alone New York. Wow. So just to see that reaction. And then you combine that with the opening scene with Bobon in the beginning. So you have an eight foot tall guy and then two five feet tall guys. Yeah. And to combine Penchok silat the way they do it, with you know jiu-jitsu and the Jew the Canadas, it was just one of the funnest Ways to choreograph I've ever done with because they are masters, yeah. and they are fun, and they are the nice. Literally, none of the dialogue scene you saw with them was in the script at all. Every time they'd switch it on during the rehearsals, and you think they're the most badass guys ever, and then we'd yell cut, okay, let's, do, and they'd start smiling, laughing, help Keanu up, and go, oh, Mister Reese, are you okay? They were the most so like in awe of Keanu as much as Keanu was in awe of them. And it was like the second day of shooting the Glass House, and they were kept doing the same thing. And Keanu's like, we got to put that in the movie. <laughs> and I just have him help me up, and then we'll start. And we said, And we went, Okay, pause, everybody go to lunch early. And me and Keanu sat there, and we just wrote two more scenes for him. We're like, Well, they're going to help you up. Then you're going to get up and go, No, I don't want any help. And then he f- that's actually Keanu falling down in that shot, too. He actually, the real <laughs> guy just fell back down because he's fucking knackered. And they actually help him up, and then Chep Chep's like, All right, I'm not going to fucking help you then. And then they started talking. And then when they go through the glass, they're like, Okay. And Ciano's like, Well, I want to show him respect. I want to kill these guys. I love you. All right. So, Son of you know, And that all came about just because how fucking cool Chep Chep and Yeon are. Yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. Cool. So I go off on a tangent. No, no, but no it's, it's fine. It's worth talking about because they, they were the funniest. guys yeah. Them and Mark is two funniest guys, three funnest guys uh, to yeah. work with. I was on set the
1: day that uh, you were on that glass house scene, and they uh, they were there to prep for the next day. Yeah. But I was just even just seeing them on set, it was it was I was getting quite excited about what was in store. It was, the store. Fun, right? it was uh, yeah, that was really really cool. Yeah, Watching Keanu actually slam into glass stuff was yeah. was fun. Don't break your leading man, Chad. <laughs>
3: Honestly. Yeah, I just you know everybody jokes and me are like, well you you were just sunk here. Like yeah, it's payback, man. <laughs> Well but it's not he's just like he you can't he never wants you to hold back on the choreography mm-hmm. because of a limitation to him like, I, if you saw the ice bath he goes into every night it's like it, they have this little kitty tub that you inflate uh, yeah, yeah. and it's got ice water pumped through it and he'll sit in it for an hour yeah, yeah, every night just to, just to get up the next day <laughs> so he, he's quite tough well you know there's, there's a line in the movie that sums it up art is pain uh, I, I'm probably Nietzsche's biggest fan <laughs> I, I believe it the purpose of life is art and life is pain all oh, right, sorry, art pain, life is suffering. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, but thank you, boys. Jad Stahelski, pleasure,
1: man. Thank you very much, yes. indeed. Okay, so that was Jad Stahelski. One of our fit directors, Helen, no?
2: Yes, absolutely. A, a perennial entry on the fit directors list that will never, ever be written, apparently. Ever. Ever.
1: I mean, it sounds like a book, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> like that a, would be
2: an amazing book.
1: Like someone asked me recently, someone said to me, do you, you know, where's your book? Where's, 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 your, where's your, your novel? Where's yeah. your book? Novel is one thing. No,
2: okay, non-fiction bestseller, Chris. Where's
1: your, like, you know, you've written some books. Yeah. Nick DeSemlian has a book coming out. Fantastic book, Wild yeah. and Crazy Guys. Uh, where's my book? Yeah. I don't really have a book. And
2: maybe your book is?
1: Fit Directors. <laughs> but it has to be written with you because, Obviously. you know, that'll, that'll yeah. head off several <laughs> oppositions at the pass.
2: Brilliant. Let's there do There we it. go.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the John Wick Chapter Three: <laughs> Parabellum Water special. Um, we don't have a lot of time no. um, to really dig deep into this film, but what do we make of it? I guess it's essentially just a long chat you and I about this sure. film and, and and whether we we like it and where it stands up next to the uh, the, the previous the two films.
2: I mean, I, I like it a lot. Um, I, I I'll, I'll be honest. I know there's been a lot of talk with there's uh, talk about this in the office. I I feel like I would. I think the first is still my favourite not in terms of the action being the best in the first because I I do think they've successfully raised the action stakes each time Mm -hmm. but I feel like just the elegance of the first one um, hasn't been surpassed yet And, and and while I enjoy them kind of widening the mythology and making it more and more complicated each time and making this kind of the the world building that they do with this insane and frankly economically unfeasible world of assassins, um, I, I enjoy it a lot. But it, it, you know, the more you look into it, the, the less it makes sense. Unless, so. of
1: course, you you look at it under it takes place under the you know, the veil of a dream world, under right? Under the table, the, the whole the under the high table, you know, this this whole descent into hell. Thread that mm-hmm. is running through the mm-hmm. movies. You know, Chad Stahelski mentioned Dante's Inferno as a as an inspiration for him. The idea that John Wick is digging ever deeper and going through, you know, ever decreasing circles of hell as he yeah. as he tries to get out of this world. Certainly, it means that there's a there's a. There seems like a supernatural bent to some of the things that are beginning to happen in this world now. The side tag movie character, for example, who just appears out of nowhere when John Wick goes into the desert and he's tempting John Wick. And there's, you know, is he the devil? Is there something in that as well? You know what I mean? Yeah. So so maybe they don't need to apply plot logic to this movie. But then you've got the
2: devil excommunicating people. That's weird.
1: Well, the devil has rules as well, right?
2: Uh, I mean, classically, not really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like a he's like a dog chasing cars. Uh,
2: well, I mean, the Church of Satan, for example, is very much anti rules You know, do what thou wilt which shall be the whole of the law.
1: But then they also sued that. that that's
2: true. That, they do. Well, they they'll use someone, our laws. Someone had,
1: someone had a statue recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're bound by certain laws. Yeah. No, okay. no, but that's
2: not them like buying into those laws. That's them using and abusing those laws. Okay. So I don't know. I, I feel like that's that maybe complicates the mythology even further. Oh, so complicated. <laughs> but I like, I having said that, I I do enjoy that, and I do the sort of enjoy the kind of quasi religious trappings of this world mm. um, that he's in, and you know the crucifix and the the. Branding mm. and, the, well, and the excommunication,
1: but as I as I pointed out, the Jaster Helski. Whenever John Wick gets a tattoo, when he gets the the branding, mm. uh, his ticket to get into to get out of America, yeah. uh, and to go to Casablanca, it's an upside down crucifix. It is, yeah. So there, that, I think he he is playing on some level with oh, yeah, notions of sure. heaven and hell and good yeah. and evil here, and yeah, definitely. Uh, and what John Wick's role within that is. But it's interesting, and I don't think you've heard the interview yet, but it's interesting that he talked about how he wanted to kill John Wick in this movie. Initially, that's when the movie was going to end with him with him dying. Oh. Didn't ask how exactly. He didn't really think it was relevant, but now no. I, now I think back, I probably should have asked, but you know, hey-ho, you, you, know, you prioritise within the room, right? Sure. But he also said that the idea, the ultimate idea of this franchise is that John, there's no escape. There's no escape mm. from this. That John is essentially doomed, whether that's doomed to death or just doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. But it makes me wonder, like, where can they go? So if, for example, mm-hmm. we, we're going into John Wick Chapter 4, which has already been announced, it's got a 2021 release date, and you'd imagine Stahelski will come back for that. Certainly Keanu Reeves will. Where can they go? If there's no escape for John Wick, what's our investment in it? So
2: my my expectation for this film i probably colored my first viewing because i thought this was maybe it i thought this was maybe an ending i thought it was um and i was surprised that he didn't take down the entire high table or something yep. of that sort or certainly confront them as a as a group at some point that was kind of what i was expecting and now i feel like we're looking at four or five films because i don't think we're close enough to the end for that yet i don't know if if that Sort of nihilism will survive two more films. I can see him dying, but maybe not dying in vain. He's got
1: the dying service of of a cause, right? He's and got not
2: the, in service of the table. No, ideally,
1: he's for me. For me, if this does end with John Wick dying, and I kind of hope it doesn't, mm. in a way, because I, I grow more attached to him the less he says. <laughs> but I, I do. I the do. More time he
2: spends with his dog.
1: <laughs> the more time he spends with his dog. There's something poetic about him dying at the end, of being reunited mm-hmm. with with. With Helen.
2: With Helen. With Helen. Um, Made for each other. But at the
1: same time, I would like him to survive and to show that there is light in the darkness here and to show that he has something to live for. And besides, he's going to look after his dog.
2: I know. Think of the dog, people. Come on. Um, yeah, I think. I, I think... I guess I'm, I'm OK with a glorious end if I, if I have to be, because I think this is a clearly rotten system and somebody should probably take it down. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have, even if you're going to have a world full of assassins, you've got to be able to give up assassining at some point if you want to. <laughs> um, and and the, the high table that like clearly this whole, you know, I have served, I will be of service. Mm. There's a real, they're really nasty kind of connotations there of you're you're locked in for life to kind of you're honour bound to these organizations. Mm-hmm. It's whether whether you want to sort of refer to the mafia omerta or you want to refer to kind of even nastier things, maybe not quite slavery, but certainly indentured mm-hmm. servitude and that kind of thing. Um it, there are some really nasty precedents for that kind of behaviour and that is not good. I am going to go out and limb and say it's not, it's good. not good. It's and not good. And that our hero should take that system down.
1: He should take it down. But again, Stahelski would seem to suggest that he won't be able to take it down. Yeah. That the high table is too big, is too powerful. Yeah. And maybe there's a reference there to our current political situation where oh, you have, for example, you have in America... You know, we're recording this just after Robert Mueller has essentially come out at a press conference and gone, well, uh, you know, we hadn't, we didn't, let's put it this way, we didn't have any confidence that the president hadn't committed a crime, let's put it that way, Uh, but we can't we can't indict a sitting president That's, the system is so fucked we can't, we can't do that and maybe the high table it has its feet under the high table of power <laughs> so much now that it can't be it can't be taken down no matter how talented John Wick is no matter how powerful the Bowery King is because clearly those two guys are going to team up in yeah, the next one
2: excited about that uh, yeah.
1: which I'm yeah very very cool because I thought they'd killed him I thought they'd killed the Bowery King mm. uh, with that seven cuts business with Zero
2: yeah I was hoping not so yeah. I, was, I was pleased that he hadn't um, but they have clearly damaged his power base and, mm-hmm. and you know, killed a lot of his lieutenants. So uh,
1: TikTok man seems to be still TikTok around. TikTok
2: Man's fine. That's that's an important one. Um, yeah, I hope Carrie Anne Moss turns up at some point soon. I, I do think they're going to team up, but I think they have to. Hmm. I have. I think they have to be able to make a dent in this system. I think otherwise. Again, like I say, I'm just not here for nihilism these days in cinema, um, and I don't want that. So, you know, Chad, if you're listening, please, (laughs) please don't make everything be in vain. If you're still listening
1: after the fit director business.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what made him tune in, you know, I don't know.
1: Chad, there's this podcast you should listen to. It They talk about how fit you are. What is that? Is that a British term?
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I... I, Hot, hot hot, hot directors. Hot directors. Yeah. Um, But I'm just enjoying, I'm very much enjoying the ride and I'm very much enjoying... Uh, some of the new characters here, you know, Angelica Houston, obviously, you know, free pass for life. I mean, she's Morticia Adams, so (laughs) that's all I need to know. Um, But yeah, she's very good. Halle Berry was interesting. I really liked her. I thought that sort of first person shooter sequence was really effective. Yes. My only thing there is I don't understand where she's going at the end of that scene. I don't know what situation she's meant to be in her
1: motivation seems to shift from scene to scene that's that's one thing i do I do mm. wonder because there's four credited writers in this movie mm-hmm. uh and Derek Kolstad who wrote the first two movies you know pretty much I think he was credited on his own uh is credited here but he's not the sole writer and I wonder if maybe his influence is waning maybe he's focused on other projects he's i know he's overseeing the continental TV show for example so uh, maybe maybe there is some dilution of intent Mm. Uh, or maybe just as things naturally move along Stahelski and and Reeves are becoming the the keepers of the flame of this franchise but certainly I think that Sophia went from you know wanting to help John to not wanting to help John to then not wanting to burn everything down but then she does burn everything down she knows she she doesn't have to do that because A her dog hasn't been shot dead he's been shot you could maybe let that go Maybe she's just appalled by Jerome Flynn's accent. She doesn't know <laughs> what it is, where it's from, no, so she I am, has to. I think it's very much. Fire.
2: I think it's very much in line with this series that she would um, shoot someone for shooting her dog. That that absolutely
1: makes sense. The code of conduct.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The rules. I mean, this this is clearly a, f- a film made for dog people and not cat people. Witness the one person who says he's a cat person <laughs> later in the movie. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm totally up, up, on board with that. But I'm not sure, given how concerned she seems to be at the beginning of her scenes about not messing up her position mm-hmm. at the Continental, um, she then she loses that pretty quickly. And also, uh, frankly, at that point, she has already screwed up because she has walked John Wick through the crowded lobby mm-hmm. of the Casablanca Continental to her quarters. You're telling me she doesn't have a private room door? Come on, people. Um, <laughs> so I feel like that was, a, that was a strategic error on the part of her lieutenant. That yeah. seemed like a bad idea.
1: But it does lead to that great action sequence, which is fantastic, and it's also the first time I think in this this entire franchise where we've seen the action focus on someone other than John Wick. Yeah, very much so. Like she takes over yeah. for like two or three minutes with her incredible dogs. Yeah, and uh, and 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 it's basically I, I love the bit where she turns the camera and goes kind of a spin-off please? <laughs> yeah. Please can I have a spin-off?
2: No, but I think we'll see her maybe in a bigger role next time.
1: You think? Cuz yeah. I'm I'm thinking spin-off. I think they are the world-building <laughs> here and you know she she was we were promised a Jinx spin-off another we day yeah. and that that never happened. We were promised a Storm spin-off from X-Men that and that happened. never happened. Third time lucky. Third time lucky. Go for it, Hallie. Uh, yeah, very, very good indeed. We have been sent some questions. Oh, okay. if you heard typing at the beginning of the podcast as Helen was uh, <laughs> was talking, I was basically going, "Hey, do you want to send in some questions for us?" And uh, we've got some questions, and I haven't read these, so I'm just going to um, click on this. Okay, uh, Dean. At Dean BMMV asks, do you think Winston has just been playing John throughout as a pawn against a high table? Or was he genuinely, regardless of brutal falls, on Wick's side? Also, what was with Bron's accent?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't answer the second question first. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, I think he was a bit of both. I think he's an opportunist uh, as well as a planner. Um, I think he used John Wick exactly as he needed to to put himself in the best position possible.
1: Yes, did that surprise you? It surprised me, I'll be honest. I thought I did expect the the way the movie was going, I Mm. was expecting uh, Sharon, Winston and John Wick to go against a high table because that's what they've been doing. They've been been setting their stall out. Uh, I didn't expect it to end the way it did.
2: No, I didn't. It it caught me by surprise as well. Um, Maybe it shouldn't have done. Uh, He has been a guy who obviously had respect for the laws or we wouldn't have excommunicated him last time. He's also a guy who plays both sides and obviously has some affection for John Wick. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given him the hour um, that he did, you know.
1: Unless the hour was a political move. Unless he was trying
2: to provoke the high table against Mm -hmm. him. But what's the benefit to him in doing that?
1: I think he's really playing the long game. I mean, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those bullshit movie plots, isn't it? It's like the the Joker in The Dark Knight or Silva in Skyfall, where their plan is so intricate that it <laughs> requires... Even um, Simo in, in Civil War, right? Their plan requires so many moving parts to fall into place at okay. exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And then at the end, they're all going hey, look at this, look what a genius I am. But if anything goes wrong along the way, so by giving John the extra hour Mm -hmm. and then whipping the high table up and being an absolute prick to the adjudicator, Mm -hmm. that perhaps he then, he's, Positioning John in the perfect place, so John will go to the elder and then come back, mm-hmm. and then he has John to use as a as a as a weapon against the high table. And then maneuvering himself into a position where the, the adjudicator goes, "All right, so kill John Wick and everything is forgiven, and you get your hotel back."
2: No, I d- I think he gave John Wick an hour out of friendship. I do. Okay. And then I think he out played of, out, the out resulting
1: paternal feelings, maybe a perhaps? paternalish paternal esque yeah. feelings,
2: yeah. and then he played the resulting. Mess, which I don't think he expected. I think that's genuine surprise on his face when um, the adjudicator um, okay. tells him he's in trouble. Um, uh, he then played it as best he could to get out of it. Um, but he still kind of hedged his bets at the end by mm-hmm. shooting John in the coat, which we, knew, which we you know is know tactical. Yeah. yeah. Big fall. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah, <laughs> big,
1: big fall of the. There's uh, no
2: way that John Wick is dying in a fall. Come on.
1: Yeah. But at the end, when he says Baba Jaeger, Mm. I think he there's a genuine oh shit what have I done kind of I think he I think I think he expected John to die in that fall I die, you know when he I think at the end he's like oh fuck I've just pissed off John Wick I, and don't, I don't get that that's... from that at
2: all there was a little smile there at the end I I think he's
1: alright you think yeah I don't think I don't think Winston's gonna maneuver at this one
2: I um, I I would never bet against him maneuvering <laughs> I feel like he's he's a good maneuverer and he is he has Sharon on his side and Sharon is a a powerful ally, I feel like. Although he mm. does sacrifice his footmen like nothing, like uh, nobody's business, yeah, I and mean, all those per yeah. bus boys just gone.
1: But there's there's you know, plenty more where that came from. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Apparently, who is signing up for those jobs? Though you know, where well, at least like wanted bellboy? Must have martial arts and arms training. <laughs> like ew.
1: it's difficult to staff up the Continental. It must I be. I would have thought because you can't. You know, it must be too hard to book. Like here's my thinking. Like, can you book? As a normal person, mm. if you're like in New York and you just, you're just you tired and you get off your flight and you don't have a hotel booked or it's fallen through at the last minute and you walk in the streets and you've got your bag and you say, oh, there's a hotel across the street, the Continental, I'll walk in there. Can you go there as, think, a, as a punter?
2: So I think you can. And, beca- and I think that you wouldn't even know anything was happening because of all the rules
1: because there's no gunfire usually yeah. in a in a continental yeah. what if you saw all these people exchanging these weird coin things you're like what the hell's going on there i'd like I'd be a part You'd of be that.
2: Like, oh it's a gift Members card scheme card. we have yeah. okay
1: like uh, sparks points for MS.
2: yeah or like when you go to liberty and their gift vouchers are coins
1: Hang <laughs> on that's are a saying,
2: relatable and funny you say <laughs> liberty's part of
1: the continental chain of hotels <gasps>
2: Do you know what? It would totally be. It 100% would be because it's fancy and it's a bit weird. Mm -hmm. It definitely would be. Yes, that is now in my head, Canon.
1: Two more things before we get into uh, some more really quick fire questions. Uh, We're recording this a couple of weeks after I've seen the film and usually I like to see a film more than once before we do a spotter special Uh but I was unable to so my memory's hazy on certain aspects of the movie and then please forgive me and Helen you've seen it twice but yeah. again there's been a couple of weeks I think since well yeah also period. and
2: the second time I saw it was straight after a marathon so it was kind of interactive because everything hurt much <laughs> like John Wick
1: um,
2: so yeah I may have been less than on full form
1: next thing is a, is a question from at Chris Hewitt who asks uh, which is your favourite continental Casablanca, Rome or New York
2: Ooh. I mean, I'd very happily stay in any of them, to Mm. be honest, because I'd know I wasn't going to get assassinated there, which would be a bonus. Obviously, I usually lose sleep about that. All Um, the time. Rome was a little Baroque, and I prefer Gothic traditionally. I like the sort of neoclassical thing that the New York has going on, um, but I've never been to Casablanca, and it's kind of been on my list for a little while, so I'm going to go with that one.
1: Casablanca. Mm. I like the clean lines of New York.
2: I mean, it's very very attractive, don't get me Mm. wrong. I think they've had a decorator in since we saw it last. I like the stained glass windows a lot mm. um, and also the rooftop uh, fireplace. I'm not sure it's terribly practical, but it's very stylish.
1: <laughs> uh, David Mackin asks, on a scale of one to pencil, how bad an idea was it for the elder to take John's wedding ring? Surely we will see a beautifully fine retrieval of said ring in one of the many, many Wick sequels. And in fact, James and Chaz Helski had a really interesting discussion about that because James is someone who was like, well, I would never give up my wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to take mine off because it hurts my finger. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, I wouldn't give it up either. But But uh, yeah, where do you stand on that?
2: Uh, yeah, I think we're definitely going to see him get it back. There's, I don't think there's any scenario where he leaves that. What do you think about
1: the, the gesture of him even giving it up? This I think, a man for whom his marriage meant everything, means everything.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that is a signal to us as viewers that this isn't over that this is not him you know acquiescing entirely to the high table again um i actually took a weird sort of comfort from that that scene because it meant that okay it's it's not not a case where the world is out to get him and everyone's trying to kill him it's now a case where he has some maneuverability some wiggle room i think um so yeah, I, 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 I got that that was a loss and I got that that was a huge sacrifice on his part and I got that that was a move of desperation. But at the same time, it, it felt in storytelling terms immediately like a ray of light.
1: It was interesting because he gives his wedding ring up, agrees to go and kill Winston. And then we, we actually had a slight disagreement here. I think he immediately just turns, decides not to kill Winston and, and goes against what he's agreed to do for mm. the elder. To health, he doesn't think that's the case. But... Obviously, he then aligns himself with Winston against the elder, and therefore the high table, yeah, and I wonder why he does that really
2: well, I just think it's a I just think it's a well, like I say, a move of desperation, certainly, but yeah. i th- I think it is also kind of in line with this kind of organization. okay, let's get historical for a second, so excommunication obviously has been used by you know well mostly the Catholic Church, that's the most famous form of it. It's used by a lot of Protestant sects as well and what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but it is, uh, you know, it's the shunning and that kind of thing that you get in some smaller religions. But in the Catholic Church, it used to have like just mind-blowing consequences. So there, um, I think it was King John of England was excommunicated at one point, and that meant like nobody in the in England could be baptized or have last rites mm-hmm. or get married under the church. Like it was, it was massive, um, and you did have to make some kind of obeisance to get back into the church's good books. So like when William the Conqueror was excommunicated for marrying his cousin without permission, because it was totally fine to marry your cousin, but you had to get it signed off first. They both had to build a new abbey in their hometown of Caen, and that those still stand today. Um, same with um, Ferdinand and Isabella in Spain. A couple of abbeys, all's forgiven, all's mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like this, him giving up the ring is him building an abbey. <laughs> essentially mo- moving himself back into the good books
1: masterfully done A little bit of a history lesson there from <laughs> Helen O'Hara uh, at glo809 Julio Balbuena on Twitter asks which other objects do you think are going to be lethal in Wick's hands we've seen a book we've seen a pencil we've seen a belt so far what do we think <laughs> in four and five and six and seven
2: um, a cuddly toy I mean what is the most innocent um- killed the bear the kills are very, very good. That's what we need. Something innocent and apparently non-lethal. I'm just looking around the room. I'm seeing a backpack, a water
1: bottle, a phone. <laughs> this is like the worst episode of the Generation game ever. <laughs> Sunglasses.
2: He hasn't killed anyone with a pair of glasses yet. killed
1: anyone with sunglasses. Uh, if you're in a hotel room, like a bottle opener. I've never seen anyone kill with a bottle opener. No. Like maybe you know not the stabby, the stabby part. Yes, but the actual bit that you use to prise open the lid of a uh, the you know. Yeah, the, yeah, like a beer bottle opener. Yeah, yeah. One of those. Why not?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can I just say how much I adored the fact that he goes into this antique store. And it turns out that upstairs is a floor full of weapons. It seems like he, maybe he went for that floor, so maybe he knew it was there, but he goes to the floor... <laughs> yes, what,
1: what's, what a stroke of luck.
2: ...full of cases of weaponry. First of all, cleans and puts back together and makes work a gun yeah, just to slow everybody down for a second with a few shots. I presume those are Parabellum rounds, I assume. I don't know for sure. I don't know enough about guns. But then you have that wonderful fight in what I like to call Chekhov's Corridor, um, <laughs> where they suddenly realise they're fighting in a, a, a little row lined with cabinets full of machetes and hatchets, yeah. knives of all sorts. And they just start throwing each other into the cabinets to break the glass mm-hmm. and then throwing the contents of the cabinets at one another. That it's, is yeah. it's glorious.
1: It's an incredible scene. And we should talk about the, uh, the action in this movie and we should talk about the violence in this movie because mm-hmm. it took me by surprise some of the violence. I mean, that, that knife in the eye, wowzers don't try this at home folks John Wick is a <laughs> professional I have to say the first 20 minutes of this movie I thought was fantastic and this was mm-hmm. the movie I thought the entire movie was going to be which I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be John Wick on the run just fighting off yeah. a relentless wave of assassins. I
2: feel like that might have been too much. I was I, getting to yeah. the point where it was too much after those 20 minutes. But
1: well, Stahelski has talked, to, not just to us, but he's talked about how he wants to induce, he wants to induce mm-hmm. action fatigue in people. He wants you to feel a slog because I guess that mirrors what John Wick is going mm-hmm. through. But I think you're absolutely right from a dramatic point of view. Had that been the case, it might have got a little bit dull. Even mm-hmm. the raid, which is, you know, from from my money, this is as close... In intensity and execution of mm-hmm. the stunts and the action to the raid and raid two and and, personnel the night and a comes for of us places. and <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah indeed, and the villainess you know so you know the Gareth Evans movies and you know the action movies from Indonesia and and South Korea over the last few years is as close as any American movie has come to to nailing that level of intensity, which is incredible um. The, the the knife fight the horse foo the the motorcycle chase you yeah. know just it's so exhilarating that stuff
2: it's it's incredible yeah um the horse thing was just magic he's just kicking people in the head via a horse he's he's magic
1: i think it does take a little breather and then it ratchets us back up again for that yeah. incredible fight with uh, chechep and yayan from from the raid 2 and, and and it's they almost this, it, the it, it, with it is
2: almost boss levels. You it know, is, so yeah. it's, it's working your way up again through a tire. Even though actually he f- he fights them on the same level that he f- then fights zero it, zero, and then has to go back up when they crash down through the floor.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. So, which is interesting, just from a sort of you know, yeah. metaphorical point of view, they're on the same level as him, even though they're kind of presented and in the film as his students or apprentices. And or of something. course, they
1: beat him. There's a moment where they can kill him. Yeah. They have him at their mercy, but they've, they've been told not to by Zero. But for them also, it's about the honor of fighting with John yeah. Wick, which I think is one of the reasons why he leaves them alive as well. Uh, yeah. He maybe sees that there's there's honor and nobility and intent there. Mm-hmm. And I hope, I hope we do get to see those guys again. I, I feel like we will. I hope we get to see Echo from the Raid movies as well because that guy can kick <laughs> ass. Something rotten. Um, that'd be really really cool. If there are people to come back for four and five and six and seven. And I don't think Keanu Reeves is going to give up on this character anytime soon. He loves mm, playing this character, it. Yeah. And you know, we, where is John Lucas Amo? He he took <laughs> he took John's car for repair in in chapter two. Good point. I thought by by now. He would have had repaired, and it would have roared into action in the last in the last act of this movie. But clearly not. They're keeping him on on the board. There's common last scene with a knife in his heart. That's true. But yeah. still alive. Still and, alive. You know, Could
2: theoretically live if he doesn't move.
1: Yeah. Uh, he gets to help soon enough. Good surgeon.
2: Yeah. Very, yeah, very. very I mean, really very good, good surgeon.
1: surgeon. Uh, Halle Berry's obviously yeah. still on the
2: board. Sophia. Yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely. And uh, the Bowery King. And maybe we're we'll yeah. going to see Jason Mansukas do something more than just say, tick tock, Mr. Wick, you know.
2: I mean, he said it very well, but yes. <laughs> um, I'm interested to see if we see Charon step away a little bit from Winston or if that remains solid or if he becomes a sort of conduit between Interesting. them. Interesting. Interesting. Um, because I do think that Winston made peace with the high table because he saw it as a you know the safest option, but I don't think he's loyal in any meaningful sense. So we might see some more kind of uh, Wick uh, connections there that are not entirely violent and uh, and deadly. And I'm excited to see who they bring into this as well. I mean, what what amazing action stars have we not seen that he could tangle with? And don't say like Chuck Norris. It needs to be people who are still able to kick uh
1: Scott Adkins. Yeah, okay. Scott Adkins of The Empire Podcast. <laughs> because then I think we would be fighting vicariously through him. By him being in the movie, The Empire Podcast would therefore be essentially the be fighting John Wick. Okay. For me, they have to go for Carrie-Anne Moss, don't they? Yes, they, they do. They have to.
2: They, do. they really do.
1: And Sandra Bullock.
2: Amazing. Ten stars. Sign me up right now. Amazing. <laughs> I want it. I need it. It, it just, must happen. It
1: has to be people from Keanu Reeves's past. It has to be.
2: That would be. I can't even. I can't even bear how good that is. Wow!
1: Wow! On a bus. Wow! John Wick on a bus.
2: Also, William Sadler.
1: William Sadler. Yep. Fighting in the nude with using the remote control.
2: I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about death, man. He is death. Oh my god! In Bill and Ted
1: we've got so many, <laughs> so gonna many questions it's going to work uh, we've got so many so many questions um, very very quickly because most of them are along the lines of what do we want to see next how many chapters do we think it's going to run to you've said five that sounds right to me sure um, but you know I'm sure it could rumble on for a few more yet um, and who we'd like to see we've answered that already oh Hugo uh, Weaving too Hugo Weaving someone did say Hugo Weaving can he be the bad guy in the next one uh, fastest duck in the city Dr. Horrible Dr. Horrible on Twitter asks, do you think John putting the book back on the shelf in the library was good or bad book etiquette
2: very good book etiquette he replaced it in the right place and also it was his little secret stash that's still his wife's photo in it if I remember correctly I think correctly. that's
1: going to be important I wonder going down the line mm. I've just I've got a sneaking suspicion about that but his membership may have been revoked <laughs> you never know it was great great scene really good fight scene. and the it. first time when he actually kills the guy and that's a basketball star in real life I think um, when he actually kills the guy that's the first time I went oh fuck it's going there yeah it really it's is. It really is going there. Uh, what animal weaponry would you like to see in John Wick 4? Uh, team up with Squirtle Girl, perhaps? Or
2: <laughs> yes. some,
1: some chipmunks? Uh, do you think there are a few too many scenes of the sexy tattooed telephone operators sending messages over old <laughs> looking computer <laughs> systems? It seemed like it were laying it on a bit thick and padding for time. <laughs> padding for time? I love that idea. Uh, guys, this film's only running at one, one hour, 10 minutes. Uh, we, need, <laughs> we need 20 minutes of people answering the phone quickly.
2: Yeah, it did get a little wearing in that first few minutes, but, you know, they calmed it, calmed it down after that. They were just trying to get the countdown feeling in there. I loved the Chinese doctor scene. I thought that was great.
1: Carl Friedrich, Fredrin. Carl Friedrich Frieden asks, was there anything in the movie that made you wince more than a toenail? The entire oh, theatre had a sudden intake oh. of breath during that one. Well, we were fine with the knife in the eye.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, again, I did it after a marathon, so I was very conscious of my toenails at the time, which have not fallen off. Hashtag blessed. But uh but yeah, that was a really unpleasant scene. And and I agree, I think it's the most body horror moment in the movie, and there are quite a lot of body horror moments.
1: Whisker Drum asks, What are your thoughts on Jason Mansuchas getting his own poster?
2: I mean, well done him and his agent, I guess.
1: At Cantana's Ghost. Could there be a spin-off where there's a specialist canine continental version of Hotel for Dogs? <laughs>
2: No, but I would watch a short with um the dog and um and Chiron is it charon Chiron out together yeah, yeah. i th- I think they 'd be delightful together i'm, I'm sh- they seem to have a really strong relationship
1: all right okay, so overall in helen where do where you stand in this movie uh, in relation to the the previous two? Is it the best, second best, or third best of the franchise
2: I would put them all very much on a level. I do think the first is still my favourite just for its elegance and its surprise factor. Um,
1: because of the way it's so focused.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I enjoy the widening of the mythology in the world and I, I take pleasure from that as well, but it's not as pure as that first one. Is there, um, is
1: there an argument that they're, as they're expanding it and as they're frankly they're making this shit up as they go, Sure. that they are weakening in some ways the through line of John Wick, which was a man we've grieving over his wife has a dog gets emotionally attached to the dog real quick and you would because it was so so cute cute. so cute gets killed goes out for revenge everyone shits himself because he's the best assassin in the business and it's that simple yeah I mean, and, he's, and he's essentially, in that first
2: one, he's essentially taking out his grief on the world. He, yeah. he essentially can finally blame someone for taking his wife away from them, even though what they actually took was his dog. That that emotionally makes a lot of sense. I think the, the second one maybe as a result struggled a little bit. It didn't have quite as an emotional clarity.
1: The motivation. They were struggling, I think, with the motivation. Yeah. And I had. think
2: this one, he has desperation driving him. Um mm. Rather than, but you again, you don't have that clarity. So just in in yeah, you're right. In that sense, I think the first one is the strongest. Obviously, in the action sense, I think the second and third have been better. Yeah. Um. But I. But I'm I'm very happy. To have all of them, I yeah. don't feel the need to pit them against each other. Actually,
1: I'm not sure I'd watch them as a triple bill. <laughs> it might get th- a little. Bit I think that would be a
2: bit much. Yeah, I think you need while. to space them out. But they are. I would. Wa- I will. Will rewatch this one yeah. just as I have rewatched uh, the first and second multiple times.
1: I, I think the second is the best for me uh, because it has a purity of concept as well, and I know the motivation. It takes a, It's a little hinky in terms of. You know, getting John back onto the board mm-hmm. after because the the first one is nicely self contained and it wraps up the story fairly fairly nicely. Yeah. And if it wasn't a John Wick two, we'd be going, ah, oh, it's really you know really good. But it, it's also I think the first movie can be bracketed with the likes of Taken, you yeah. know, and the, mm-hmm. the, the sort of the Jerry action movies where the you know the slightly older lady man is is kicking ass and taking names and and he's out for revenge. And even though I think that by expanding the world building and by just, again, as I said, frankly, making this up as they go along. They're diluting some of the impact of John's central story. They're setting these movies apart from those other movies because they feel unlike anything else in in, in mainstream American action cinema uh, right now, certainly for the last 20, 30 years. And they also look amazing they're
2: gorgeous they look
1: these movies are shot incredibly mm-hmm. well dan lauston the cinematographer take a bow sir, um works a lot with guillermo del toro and shot the shape of water and this movie is
2: it's gorgeous phenomenal and, and i love that we've moved on from that sort of really murky blue you know tired action movie look to this kind of you know the, the outrageous styles of the different fights in this movie mm. yeah, the, that sort of neon rainbow mm-hmm. neon um, opening scenes I just adore that I love that we're kind of taking some risks and doing some crazy stuff now and I mean this is I think I would say this is almost more in common with you know visually with like bl- a Blade Runner than it does with
1: yeah. like yeah. Uh,
2: Taken you know yeah. it's it visually completely worlds apart from
1: that yeah that it's, stuff. A, it's a future noir it's, it's, it's absolutely that it's, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful and uh uh, two last things I want to talk about, real, really, real quick. We haven't talked about Mark Tucascos. I'm mm-hmm. delighted to see Mark yeah. uh kicking ass. He I think so he's good. in his he's in his fifties. He's really fun. Someone said that the, the character is a lovely take on toxic fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that he he's trying to destroy the thing he loves, and mm-hmm. he doesn't want anyone else to have it. Mm-hmm. And. You know, if you go after John Wick, I'm going to kill you too. All that, all that sort of stuff. But uh, he he brought a real playfulness to it as well. He's still in the table, kind of, but I don't think we're going to see him again.
2: Yeah, I think he was dying there. I, I think I think that was pretty clear. I was also I I kind of felt like we almost missed a line from John which is not surprising because he doesn't say a lot <laughs> he really doesn't <laughs> where you know because Mark decasco tries to do the whole we're alike you and I um, and John just goes no we're not uh, but there's no like explanation of you know you do this thing that I would never do or you yeah. value this thing that I never would um it's it's just it's just a denial, a straight denial. And I, I wondered if there was more to that or if there was more that we could have taken from that, which I was missing.
1: Maybe we'll have a full-on John Wick monologue in the next movie. Oh, really. yeah. A four-page nails it, yeah. absolutely nails it.
2: To double tap in the head or not to double tap in the head. That is the question. Whether it is no <laughs> to always, always
1: double tap in the head. <laughs> that is his signature move. You hold down L, you hold down the L button, and you double tap <laughs> X a couple of times, and that's John Wick's that's move. It, that's it. That's Amazing. pretty much it. Um. But just the, it's interesting you, you know we're talking about whether this will culminate in John Wick dying and John Wick's attitude towards his own death is fascinating as well because this is a guy who I think is weirdly paradoxically ready to die and yet he will do anything in his power to stop himself from dying yeah. at the same time.
2: Yeah, I think he was ready to lie down and die at the beginning of the first film. Absolutely.
1: But also when Santino at, be- at the beginning of the second movie when Santino gives him the marker mm-hmm. and John says no mm-hmm. John there's a moment where John is almost he looks at this picture of Helen and then Santino blows up his house and I think John's expecting to die in that moment mm-hmm. so I think he's at peace with the idea of dying and then he's also someone that but once you actually do it once you once you commit the physical act of trying to kill John Wick and it doesn't work
2: yeah. there's something
1: on the lizard level in him lashes out and he gets very, very angry very, very quickly and woe betide you.
2: If you're going to come for me, you better not miss kind of (laughs) thing, isn't it?
1: Damn straight. Another thing we should talk about. Yeah. Oh my God, we will get out of here. This is going to be 20 minutes. Um, The Adjudicator, played of course by Asia K. Dillon, who is so brilliant on Billions.
2: Yeah. And I think they are really um, interesting in terms of being this incredibly controlled, reserved, um character because we, what we saw of the of the high table last time was um Santino who was like all over the place like he mm. was incredibly passionate and incredibly unpredictable and incredibly dangerous and um the adjudicator this time is much more withdrawn and reserved much more of an apparatchik and a sort of functionary but clearly has a lot of power at the same time so just with that you know the Mm -hmm. the gloves in the hand no obvious weapon whatsoever and everyone is terrified of them Mm -hmm. um which i think is is beautiful, beautiful performance on Educate mm-hmm. Dylan's Dillon's part because I think that, you know, what an actor. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Billions but I mm-hmm. read a bunch of reviews of their performance and it mm-hmm. just sounds amazing. Yeah, they're
1: great. That's not this into a Billion spoiler special but there's a, there's a sense that once the, their character Taylor comes into the show that the show pivots in a slightly different direction yeah. and characters that were the forefront receded the background as the creators from my point of view, become less interested in him and become really interested in this character they created, Taylor, mm. who's, who's fascinating. Lots of stuff to dig into. Lots of stuff to set up for the future as well. Uh, but we don't have a lot more time. In fact, we have no time. We have run out of time. Tick tock, Helen O'Hara. Tick tock. That is it for our John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum spoiler special we hope you've enjoyed it uh, there will be more spoiler specials coming your way very very soon our final part of the Avengers Endgame Jamboree with the directors <laughs> Joe and Anthony Russo and the writers Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely will be up very very soon it may even be up by the time you listen to this Ooh. who knows we will have a spoiler special for Rocket Man with the director Dexter Fletcher that'll be coming your way very very soon as well and we'll also have a spoiler special for X-Men Dark Phoenix with that film's writer director Simon Kinberg and we need to record both of those Helen at some point next hey, week hey we should do that yeah. We should do that We should totally do that uh, And not leave it Two or three weeks As we did with this Definitely one Definitely not uh, Circumstances will not Intervene this, this time No I'm pretty sure Probably Alright we shall see The regular Empire podcast Is available every Friday as well And until we meet again Until at a auspicious occasion It is goodbye From Helen O'Hara Toodle-oo. And it's goodbye from me I am off to give The Continental Casablanca Four stars on TripAdvisor
2: Ooh only four
1: Room service wasn't great Yeah they try and kill me With yeah. a bottle opener
2: That's rude
1: Weird